0: There was this guy who became insanely popular. Everybody started following him. He got thousands of likes. One day, he called many of his followers out, accused them of being hypocrites. They got angry, called him an extremist, said he shouldn't be allowed to share his views. They would stop at nothing to shut him up. So they did what they had to do. They nailed him to a cross. Jesus was silenced. He gets us. All of us. Visit hegetsus.com. Welcome to another episode of The Real Estate Baddie Podcast, where I love talking about real estate, entrepreneurship, and current events in our industry. I'm your host, Tabitha Richardson, and today we're going to talk about wholesaling. So stay tuned, come right back, and I'm gonna jump into this topic. welcome back to another episode with me the real estate baddie and today we're talking about wholesaling so first i have my trusty dry erase board and let me just tell you i love this board i bought this board just for you guys to explain this whole process because it's easier to visualize it than me to tell you uh wholesaling has been around for a really really long time And throughout my real estate career, I get a lot of investors that reach out to me that have questions about wholesaling. But I really don't do consulting on wholesaling. That's really a process that you have to figure out on your own because you don't need a realtor involved in that process. And it's a great way to get started in real estate investing without having to put much out of pocket money. Um, You're basically a middleman, um, a problem solver, or a flipper of houses without actually owning any houses. So it's a great way. A lot of people love wholesaling, but many people just don't understand the process of wholesaling. So I'm going to explain it to you and I'm going to explain it in five steps. So the first step is finding the property. Second step is negotiating with the seller to get it under contract. The third step is to find a buyer. Fourth step is to get that buyer under contract. And the fifth step is to close. Sounds easy enough, right? What could be the problem? Well, there's a lot involved in those five steps and we're going to break that down for you right now let's talk about this okay And we're going to go through the five steps now let me just tell you if you have any questions because you may have a bunch of questions about this process put it in the comment section and I'll be sure to answer your questions for you to the best of my ability now back to it so I already started this diagram so we're gonna have the seller in the process, we're gonna have the wholesaler, which, which is you, and we're gonna call them the middleman. And then you have the buyer. So how this really works is the middleman is going to find a seller and find a property and get that under contract. And then they're going to try to find a buyer to buy that contract, basically. They're going to put two people together. So they call them wholesalers, a problem solver because they're a solver of problems. The sellers generally, they have a problem and they want to unload this property that they may not be able to afford to continue to keep. The house might be in disrepair and they need to just get rid of it. And many other things could be a problem that the seller is having. The buyer, the end buyer, usually it's an investor, their problem is finding good properties at a great price. So, you as the middleman, you're solving the problem for everyone. You're helping the seller um, connect with the buyer to find a property, and in the middle, you get paid for all of your efforts. So that's why we're gonna call you the middleman, the wholesaler. So, finding the property. For some people, this can prove to be the hardest part of the process because without the property, you have no wholesaling, right? Let's talk about how you can find properties. One way is called driving for dollars. Many people do this, they will drive in communities. And they will note um, all of the properties that look like they're um, distressed, dilapidated, falling apart. Those properties, generally, if they're vacant, you know, someone is just not even paying attention to that property. If someone does live in the property, it's just a sign that maybe they really can't afford to upkeep this this property, and they may be open to someone buying the property from them. So with driving for dollars, you're just going in neighborhoods and identifying houses that look like that, writing down the address for you to then try to find the seller. Another way is pre-foreclosures. So it's easy to find houses that are, have gone into pre-foreclosure. Now, if you've watched a previous episode of mine, you'll know what foreclosure is. But basically, it's just that a homeowner has stopped making their monthly mortgage payments and the bank, their mortgage company, has started foreclosure proceedings to take the property back. Now, that is public record. When a mortgage company goes and files paperwork to start the foreclosure process, it the courthouse, and you can look up um, the, the foreclosure um, notices that have gone out, or you can also go to Zillow. Zillow has a list of pre-foreclosures that you can reach out um, to the sellers to see if they would be interested in selling their property. Now just know, they might be getting a lot of letters from real estate agents, from other wholesalers, people that might be interested in purchasing their property. So you might not be the only one reaching out to the people who are in pre-foreclosure. Another way are tax sales. So a tax sale basically is a homeowner that has not paid bills to the city. Um, One of them is like a water bill. So if they have back water bills and they haven't paid it, the city can put that water bill up for tax sale. And what that would mean is an investor can go purchase that tax sale from the city and then they will be in first position to be able to, um, well, buy the tax sale and then foreclose on the property. The great thing about tax sales is that regardless if if there's a mortgage on the property, that tax sale lien takes first position and you can foreclose on the property. Now, if that property is vacant, you can start the foreclosure proceedings um, pretty quickly. if a property is not Um, vacant and someone occupies the property that person does have six months to redeem the tax sale basically to pay off the amount that you paid for the property plus any attorney fees that you may have accumulated um, to start that process to take that property so that's another way but you don't have to buy the tax sale if you know that there is a tax sale on a property You can reach out directly to the seller to see if they would be willing to sell their property to you. Now ultimately you will have to pay off that tax sale lien but you would be able to not have to go through the tax sale process in order to acquire the property. So those are just a couple of ways that you can find properties to start your wholesaling process. Now the next thing is once you find a property you need to contact the seller. And that also can be uh, a little difficult because some sellers are hard to find. Um, Finding their contact information, like their email address and telephone number, can be difficult. But there are a couple of websites that you can go to for a fee and uh, find out the seller's contact information. So the first one is propertystream.com. And the second one is propertyradar.com. So go take a look. I'll put the links for those two websites in the descriptions for you, for your convenience. And you can go check them out and see if either of those um, work for you. You can also uh, do it some other ways. I'm sure there's some free ways out there, but they're going to be way more time consuming. But if you are trying to do this on a budget, then maybe that might be the best route for you. So now we're going to talk about step two, which is you found the property, you found the seller, and now you wanna negotiate with the seller. Now let's just talk about this process as if the seller lives in the property and that you were able to reach them and schedule maybe an appointment with them to see the property. The next thing is you want to really go and talk to the seller. This is probably one of the most important parts of this process. I know I keep saying everything is important, but everything is important. Um, each step builds on the other one. So if you mess up one part, then you kind of mess up the whole deal. So we're gonna try and not mess up any parts of this. So when you speak to the seller, the way that you want to talk to them is, is as if you're helping them. Because remember, you're the problem solver and you want to help solve their problem. So understanding what their pain points are, why are they in this situation, what are their goals, what are they trying to do, and how you can help them accomplish those goals. Two, um, you want to have an idea of how much this property is worth. This is also important. I know, I keep saying that, but it is. It's very important. Because if you mess up the valuation, then you can mess up all of the numbers for the deal. And we don't want you to do that. So understanding a valuation, I would say, go into the property and have an idea of a low number and a high number based on the condition inside. Because you're not going to know the condition until you actually get into the property. If this property is occupied, it's probably at least somewhat livable because someone is living there but you just don't know what the condition is. It could be very low, it could be you know, very high, where maybe it was renovated at some time, but the sellers fell on hard times. Um, next, you want to try not to overpay for the property, because remember, this is just the first step in this process, right? This is step one. We still have a step two to go. So you wanna make sure you're not overpaying for this property and in doing that, it's part of understanding the valuation. Now you can use the free real estate websites and do some research to figure out what the comps are. I recommend that you get very familiar with understanding um, what the sales are like in the area. Look at the actual houses that have sold within the last six months of the date that you are there. And see what the condition of the inside of the property is by going through those pictures and understanding you don't want to put a value a high valuation on a property that um, you're basing it on it being renovated and then the property hasn't been renovated in 20 years and it's super outdated and might need a whole gut rehab. So understanding valuations, understanding the condition of the property to know okay well this property is going to need a new bedroom I mean I'm sorry a new um, bathroom a new kitchen flooring um, finished basement maybe a, a deck in the backyard you know and how much those things cost um, because that will be helpful for you in pricing the property and understanding how much a buyer is going to want to pick this property up for so understanding that Really take time, don't rush through this process. And until you find an actual property and a seller, start practicing, just take a property and practice um, valuating it. Uh, Do, you know, comparables and get in the habit of, you know, creating these valuations so that when you do find a property, it's not gonna be the first time you are trying to figure this out. Because this process might go pretty quickly and you wanna be on top of it so that you don't miss out on the deal. And then, um, during this process, you're going to need to have your contracts and or assignment agreement. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But that's the part two of this negotiating with us. In the negotiating with the seller as well, you are going to potentially be making an offer. So after you've done the uh, valuation of the property and understanding the condition and understanding their pain point and also understanding what a buyer might wanna pick this property up for, then you're ready to make your offer. Now, I would say make your offer in person. If the person is living in the property, if the person is local, you know, make the offer in person, talk to them in person. So bring your contract with you and your assignment agreement with you so that if the person is ready to move right then and there, you're also ready to move too. When you're talking to the seller, you want to put them at ease and explain the process, what they can expect moving forward through this process. Um, You don't want to go in blind, so you want to make sure that you understand the process and you explain it to them on what to expect. Now, in your contract, you wanna make sure you're going to have some contingencies, some ways for you to get out of the contract. Now, because this is going to either be an assignment sale or a double close, we haven't talked about that, but just know there's two ways to close this thing. You want to have some contingencies for you to get out. So one contingency can be, you know, it's contingent upon the approval of my partner approving this process. Um, another could be an inspection contingency and a clear title contingency so you want to throw a couple of contingencies in there just to protect you in this process now the third step is finding the buyer so if you've gotten this property under contract um, next thing is to find a buyer the buyer can prove to be hard too if you don't do your homework ahead of time there's several places that you can find buyers. But once you've decided that you want to become a wholesaler, you need to hang out where buyers hang out. And you need to get familiar with them, let them get familiar with you, find out what your local you know, investor buyers are looking for so that if you find a property that fits the criteria of what they're looking for, you can reach out to them immediately and let them know that you may have a property that they will be interested in. Now, there are networking associations like RIA, which is Real Estate Investing Association. They should have those across the country so you can either become a member of it or you know maybe just attend some of their meetings and um you know network with some of the local buyers in your community. Another great place is Facebook. There's tons of Facebook groups, there's tons of real estate Facebook books groups. There's tons of facebook investor real estate groups so join them talk to people find out what people are looking for and when you have a property it would be a great place for you to advertise to try and find a buyer also the last resort for some people is contact realtors now if you contact a realtor you're going to have to pay them a commission so that's why it is the last resort for some investors because ultimately, they're gonna cut into your profits. So I'm a realtor. I hardly ever get people that reach out to me for a buyer unless they're like desperate, right? Because they don't wanna pay me. And sometimes when they're really, really desperate, they will pay a lot of money to a realtor to help them find a buyer. So those are ways that you can find buyers to complete this wholesale process because you need the seller you need the buyer without those two we don't have a deal next four step four step four is getting the buyer under contract once you found a buyer get them on the contract now with the buyer they're going to most likely want to see the property if, when you meet up with the seller at the property, take a bunch of pictures because some investors can just look at pictures. So, you want to take the front, the outside, all the different sides of the house. Maybe take some pictures of the street that the property is on. Um, take pictures of all the bedrooms, you know, all areas of the house, the basement. Um, take pictures of the utilities like the hot water heater, the furnace. Um, the sump pump the um, condenser unit for air conditioning uh, the kitchen the bathroom take pictures of everything because you'll be able to maybe sell this property to a buyer just based off of the pictures but if that is not enough and you uh, the buyer wants to see the property then you'll need to schedule an appointment with the seller now make sure you understand that everyone understands that if you bring that buyer to the house with the seller um, that you're not going to be talking price at this point because remember you're the middleman right and you uh, negotiate you can negotiate a price already here you haven't negotiated a price there you don't right now want the seller to know what you're selling the property for although you do want to just talk about that process to the seller so they know what to expect. Now once you get the buyer's agreement on the price then you want to write up that contract. Now again there's two ways to close this. You can assign the contract or you can have a double close and we're going to talk about that. But just based on which which route you go will depend on how this contract gets ran. Now. If you don't have a contract already, you can contact the title company and see if they have a FISBO package. And FISBO just means for sale by owner. Some title companies might have an agreement already written up that you can use that they are familiar with because it's their contract. Um, So you can contact them to see if they have a contract. If you know that you're going to be doing this a lot, Then you can maybe invest in a real estate attorney to draw up a contract for you and an assignment agreement for you to accomplish this goal. Or good old online. You can find anything online. I still recommend if you find a contract online that you have someone review that contract. Have an attorney review it to make sure that it is covering you in this whole transaction. Now, um, if you get this buyer under contract, you need to negotiate an earnest money deposit. So you want the buyer to give a deposit. They're going to write that deposit out to the title company that you're using. And we didn't talk too much about the title company, but with the title company, they're also a middleman in this process because they are going to gather all information from all parties. They'll do the title work to make sure that they're passing the sellers passing a clear title to the buyer not all title companies are wholesaler friendly so before you start this process you want to make sure you find a title company that's wholesaler friendly and also they will do the closing like you want so again there's two types of closings There's an assignment close where it's one closing and then there's a double closing and we're going to talk about that as well. Now, normally these buyers that are buying the property, they're going to be buying with cash. That's what you're looking for. You want somebody who has cash money to make this happen. Now, if you find somebody that's financing, it can work but it's just not as seamless Um, it's a whole nother process so you really need a cash buyer to make this whole thing happen now that you have all of this we're gonna break down the numbers and how you will get paid and then we'll talk about the closing how to close so we've only gone through four steps and then the closing So first let's talk about how you would get paid in this process. All right, now let's assume that the seller, you negotiated with the seller to pick this property up, let's use small numbers, small, easy numbers to work with. So if you negotiated to purchase this property for $50,000, great, right? You've already found out how much the property, if they own a mortgage on it or not, if they own it free and clear, you know that this 50,000 will work to pay off their mortgage plus, give them a little extra money to walk away with to meet their goals because you've already talked about that. Now, when you did this part with the buyer, let's just say you negotiated for them to buy it for 75,000. What the buyer is going to consider in this process is how much is the after rehab value and how much repairs are going to cost. So let's assume that the after rehab value, and let me write this a little bit better so that it's not totally confusing. So the after rehab value, let's assume is $200,000. That's the after rehab value. That's the cost after they do all of the repairs and then they'll be able to sell it on the market later. So after we have value is 200,000, they're going to buy the property from you for $75. So this is the purchase price. That's the purchase price. That leaves $125,000. Now, the buyer has to consider, and these are things that you're going to be considering if you're smart, to make sure that this whole deal works for everyone. Now, how much is it going to cost to do the repairs? Most investors, they have their crew, so they can easily identify based on pictures or just a walkthrough of how much it's going to cost to rehab this property. Let us assume that it's gonna cost $75,000 to renovate. Okay, so that leaves us with 50000 Now, that's for the buyer. Of course, this doesn't include any closing costs or anything like that, but For the buyer, if all of these numbers worked out, they will walk away with 50,000. Now, if you sell the property for 75, and I'll rewrite this on this side just so it looks easier. So you sell it to the buyer for 75, you purchase it from the seller for 50, that is a difference of 25,000 that you will walk away with. Not bad, right? Now, sometimes this will be higher, a lot of times this will be lower um, that you will walk away. Now let's talk about the two type of closings. So I mentioned an assignment close. An assignment close would mean that you negotiate the contract with the seller and you negotiate a purchase with the buyer, but it's all done on one contract. So you're just assigning your original contract to the buyer, so there's one closing disclosure or HUD statements, if they're still using HUD statements, some type of companies do for cash deals, or an ALTA statement, there's just one. Now the amount that you make, right? So this $25,000 fee is going to show up on that one statement, so everyone is going to know how much you're gonna walk away with from this deal. Not everyone feels comfortable with that, Not everyone is going to be happy with that. The seller, if you didn't properly explain this process, they might not be happy with it. So you want to make sure that you are very transparent and clear on how this process works. Now, with an assignment sale, it's one closing and your fee is going to show up for everyone to see. Now, there's also an ABC closing or a double close. So this person is A, your B, and their C. And how it works is A, B, C. Let me just double check that you can see that. Yep. So A, B, C. So what ultimately happens is that technically you would have to buy this property from A and you'll close. So that's closing one. And then you're going to sell it to the buyer and that will be close two. Now if you do it like this, it's two closings. The fees can be higher because now you're gonna have to pay closing costs and technically you'll be on a chain um, of title for this property because technically you're you're buying the property and then you're selling it immediately it can be right back to back it can be same day different times of the day it could be day one day two that this whole thing happens now if you're required to do it this way where you have to actually buy the property from A and you don't have the money, they do offer what is called um, transactional funding, where they'll just fund you just just for this transaction. And it's really for wholesalers because they understand this process. There are fees involved. So again, these fees are gonna come out of that $25,000. They're gonna automatically take that money out of the proceeds that you get the fees. So this way does rack up some more fees. And then you have another closing where you're going to um, close with the buyer so the buyers gonna buy the property from you now sometimes some title companies will do it all simultaneously where um, all parties are in two different rooms of the title company and they're just gonna work everything and use the money from the buyer to um, to you know purchase the property from the the seller and kind of work it all out there it's important that you talk to the title company to truly understand what this whole process is gonna look like and understand now what the fees are going to be for you and um, how that's going to affect the money that you walk away with but what's important to understand is when you do an assignment contract so this one over here, this is a double close. and an assignment, what ultimately happens, and let me erase this, but you see it. So what ultimately happens in an is the buyer, You just get your money once it's closed, your assignment fee for the process. This way, you don't accumulate any closing costs or um, any fees. The title company would just cut your check for you once everything closes. So this one is called an assignment. Is an assignment contract. Now, remember in the beginning I said when you go and you meet with the seller, you're going to bring your purchase contract along with an assignment agreement. You want them to sign both of those at that time because you don't know how you're going to work this whole transaction, and it's best to just have them sign it. If you don't use it, that's fine, um, but if you do need to use an assignment, a contract and just assign it over then you're able to do that let me just throw this disclaimer out there if you're not familiar with real estate contracts you want to make sure that you're consulting with a real estate attorney or talk with your title company about this this process can be cumbersome five steps that are very simple but there's a lot involved and there's a lot of contracts involved. But it is a really great way for you to get involved in real estate investing without putting a lot of of out-of-pocket through the ABC close, You may need to get transactional funding, but still you're using other people's money. They're going to take their fees out at the closing table. So today we talked about um, wholesaling. And check out my last episode, episode four, where I talk about house hacking, which is another um, great investing tool for people who want to get started in investing. So again, thank you for tuning in. My name is Tabitha Richardson, and I'm the host of the Real Estate Fatty podcast. And don't forget to comment, like, and share, and hit that notification button so you know when I have other episodes coming out.